Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 311 on Tuesday, the 3rd of March, 2020. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week, we'll be wondering if Dieselgate will ever, ever end. We'll also ask if the Geneva Motor Show could be handled any better. And we turn green with envy watching Mr. Catchpole in a car. But first, let's get it out of the way, Dieselgate. And this is the rather surprising news to start off with, that there's been yet more raids, this time by Stuttgart Public Prosecutors and Police. Sorry, Andrew. Sorry to Are they not raids? Oh, yeah, sorry. Raids! Thank you. It's been so long since we've done raids that I'd forgotten. I do apologise, everyone. The Stuttgart Police and Public Prosecutors have raided Porsche, and uh, they are now accusing four more members of staff from Porsche which takes the total up to seven, to have something to do with diesel emission manipulation measures. So we are going to have to see if this goes anywhere. There is no more information on what this is connected with, so we don't know whether this is part of the cases to do with share price Mm -hmm. manipulation because the shareholders weren't told, or whether this is something fresh or what it is. We don't know, but we just know that they've, they've gone in and they're looking for more evidence. But that's not the end of Dieselgate, no. I mean, from two weeks ago to both sides of the German big consumer lawsuit in the class action version, uh, stropping away from each other at the negotiation table, to now they have agreed a figure. Well, that was it was incredibly quick because this this story from Autocar uh, from James Atwood is five days old. Yes. So not long after we said they would get they got back together, they've actually agreed on something so the figure that was agreed that will be paid to 260,000 owners in germany is 698 million pounds now in this article i and i've looked elsewhere and i can't find out whether the 50 million lawyers or legal fees was Mm. included in this or whether that's been chipped down a bit because I know that was a major stumbling block for VW to swallow, funnily enough. Yeah, I would imagine it's been chipped down a bit, but as you say, there's there's no way to really tell yet. I can't really see a reference to it anywhere. So what's going to happen is that the customers or consumers in, in Germany that have or did have the VW cars that were uh, covered by Dieselgate, will get between uh, £1,140 to £5,300 in compensation, depending on the age and model of their car. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is a weird one, considering, I don't know. Did, I, did I they still actually, don't know what... I still don't understand why they're getting anything yeah. at all. I'm sorry, I, I don't understand because the law, the, the, the law wasn't broken in that way. It's not like in America where they deliberately conned... Hmm. the test or anything like that they passed the test over here i don't understand it um yeah the 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 trouble with this is and i'm sure this is what you're about to say is that this sets a precedent in europe uh, and with the uk court proceedings starting later in the year it's a precedent for that when i don't know the prices of volkswagen do not seem to have dropped off a cliff as a result of this no you know, and people are still going out and buying plenty of diesel Volkswagen, whether secondhand or brand new. Exactly. So I don't, I don't understand what you're getting the money in response to. I don't understand why your loss is. Yeah. What What is the loss? Yeah. Um, I'm, but 
we'll we'll have to wait and see with the British one where that goes. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Anyway, by coughing into your elbow, please tell us about the big news of the week. <laughs> Thank you. As I sit here, far from anywhere, anyone. Uh, so the big news of the week, obviously, was the cancellation of the ninetieth annual Geneva Motor Show. Sorry, I was running through about four different things to call it, which is Jim's Swiss, the Geneva International Motor Show. The trouble was that it took a little while to actually cancel it. In well, that I'd gone yeah. to the stage of thinking, well, it hasn't actually been cancelled yet. Is it going to be cancelled? And so in addition to one of the nights, I thought, because I'm 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 sitting in Eastern France at the minute. I thought, well, okay, what I'll do is I'll save myself a three-hour drive in the morning to Geneva, and I'll book myself a, a hotel room just outside Geneva. But honestly, at the time, I thought, well, okay, I'll I'll book the slightly more expensive cancelable rate, which turned out to be a very good move. <laughs> but yes, eventually on Friday morning, when the first sort of press day and the the uh, car of the year announcement uh, was yesterday on Monday morning, they cancelled it, claiming force majeure. So. It wasn't so much that they cancelled it, it's that uh, the Swiss government outlawed any meetings of more than... 5,000, wasn't it? Was it 5,000? I can't remember whether France is the 5,000 or Switzerland's the 5,000. 5,000 or 1,000, I can't remember which one it is. Hang on, I did put it in my notes. No, I didn't put it in my notes. But but the thing for me was, the way, and, and hence my question at the start of the show, was the way they seemed to be just putting off making a decision... As though there was going because the fear that they would then get many bills for many millions of pounds from exhibitors. Yes. Well, how do I word this? Carefully. In a way that won't get me stopped at the border the next time I go. You see, the thing is that that Switzerland as a country uh, has a stereotype of, of caring quite a lot about money. And there have maybe been times in the past century or so where, where they have definitely cared Possibly more about the, the financial aspects of things than possibly the humanitarian aspects of things. And that one could say it's a bit of a national trait and that possibly that may well have had had, uh, had something to do with it. Mm. There is a more... But in between me being, being silly and definitely not mentioning Nazi gold, then uh, what I think is important is that if it had been that, then if the organisers and Pal Expo, it would have pretty much bankrupted them in one go i think mm. the challenge was but because of the way that they played it and they sort of kept everyone on tender hooks so that stands were pretty much finished cars were in position all these kind of things uh before they actually then then pulled the plug it should all have happened a good three four five six days earlier yeah than it than it did and, and that's annoyed a lot of people I mean, there's a bunch of folk who, who of course, weren't going to Geneva this year. There are lots of uh, journalists who were going who say, oh, there you go, you see, I don't like Geneva. And they were all very smug about the fact they weren't going to Geneva. But the thing is, it's not just the manufacturers who've lost a lot of money. You don't expect something as big as this with the dates announced about a year in advance to be cancelled. So obviously, when you're planning your travel, you go for the, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's fixed. So it doesn't matter about refunds rate. Yep. Whenever you're buying your plane and your train tickets and you're, 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 you're booking your hotels. And it's not as if the hotels are cheap. No. Okay. And it's not as if the, the good burgers of Geneva don't have a reputation for absolutely price gouging during the motor show. 
<laughs> I was very lucky. My, my main hotel that I, I booked using a, a bundle of points so I could get that back. If I hadn't, well, put it like this, if I wasn't, I wouldn't have been staying in that hotel because it was, it was about 600 Swiss francs a night mm-hmm. by the time I booked it. So there's lots of people who are out of out of pocket on this. And as a result, there's lots of people who are quite bitter. And there's quite a lot of articles around about, is this the end of the Geneva Motor Show? Are motor shows past their best? And all this kind of stuff coming out from lots and lots of slightly embittered, quite rightly, in the most part, embittered yeah. journalists. Because what a lot of people won't realise is many, many journalists are freelance and paying this out their own pocket to get it back yeah. later. On the basis that they will then get the stories, yeah. Yeah, and they are now seriously out of Wonga on the, on the back of this, and there's nothing Big you can time. do about it's, it. It's a serious investment for these guys. But there is something that I have to remind people, and that's that motor shows aren't just for journalists, okay? But but no, 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 no. That's the most important people. Come on no, now. But... <laughs> <laughs> yes. And this always bugs me about the Geneva Motor Show, because this was the first year when I was actually in a position to go to be able to go even on, on the press day. So it's your fault. Uh, it is actually, yes. Yes, it is my fault. Uh, to go on the press day. And the thing is that what people forget is that they do like two days and they go, oh, it's awful for two days. And then that's them home and they've filed all their copy. They've done lots and lots of hard work and, and that's that. But there is another fortnight of public days afterwards. Mm. And what people forget is that motor shows are like the Glastonbury, especially the Geneva Motor Show, is like the sort of Glastonbury for car nerds where you can actually go and you can see lots of brands, lots of things that you can't see elsewhere. And it's easy enough for people to turn around and go, oh, well, of course, uh, of course, well, you can just go down to your local showroom and see that. Really? Where's your nearest Koenigsegg showroom? Well, more importantly, masonry. Yes, where's your nearest mansory? Uh, yeah, I actually know where my nearest mansory showroom is. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, and this is purely so I can avoid it, by the way. The interests of good taste. But it really is this fantastic and aspirational thing for people. You get to see lots of vehicles that you maybe wouldn't see. You get to go along and you get to gawp at these supercars. And we all make fun of these 1,000, 2,000 horsepower supercars. Because, oh, there's another one. Ha, ha, ha. Who can afford these? Who cares? When you're 10, that is the coolest thing in the world. And you can see that. And you can see that up close in real life. And if you bat your eyelids nicely, if you speak nicely to the people in the stands, maybe you can touch it. Possibly you can even sit in it. And you're just a normal person. You don't get invited to a launch here and a launch there. And you don't get invited, you know, to the press day before they put up all the glass panels and all the little cages around things that that stop the thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are there on public days getting up close to stuff Mm. so don't forget these are hugely important not just so they can show things off to journalists and which sure enough they can hold their own little events like uh, volvo and ford and jlr and people say they're going to but it's not the same as being there in the public get to see things and poke at things and sit in things and probably steal things as well because they're the public but they get to actually experience and see it and and form opinions on brands so you don't think that motor shows are going to die anytime soon because because obviously you know as you said there that the start I'm bleeding there, there's, a, there's a there's a lot of discussion on and there has been for a little while now about whether motor shows days are numbered or if they're not, how do they need to evolve? 
I think that this year people have been subjected to the virtual press day, uh, and it continues tomorrow as well. Well, yeah, I'm taking that with a pinch of salt, people's reactions, because they're comfortably sat at home watching this, and this is the first time they're doing it en masse. I wonder if this happens next year, then then I, I, do, I think the, the shininess will have worn off, and they may be going, actually, I miss this little aspect that I could manage. It's not that. Do you know why it's it's not that? And the thing is that these these things come out and you we there's some shiny videos and there's some pretty pretty you know people having technological uh, technology problems uh, which to some people seems to be a new thing but to those of us who regularly get subjected to the idea of the uh, teleconference are quite used to 20 minutes of farting about at the beginning. And anyone who's watched our online yeah, streaming will understand exactly what I mean. <laughs> but the thing about that is that, sure, you get the slick presentation, but what you miss is the little asides, the, oh, the interesting thing for you is, the chats to the press people, the the, the chats to other colleagues and other folk. That Well, you're, you're only reporting on a, on a video somebody's made at that point, aren't you? You're only reporting on the party line. Yeah. And you don't get to go along and go, oh, well, they're saying about this, you know, 42% in increase in rigidity to my dashboard support or something. And you can go and you can press it and go, oh, but the, the plastics are awfully hard, you know, in all the bits where you don't normally touch them, um, because <laughs> that's what happens. But you don't, people can't form their own opinion. They can only regurgitate the opinion they've been told. The only thing you can form an opinion on is the aesthetics. Yeah. Hyundai seem to have won, by the way, with the prophecy concept. Seems to have. Anyone who's seen that, it's lovely. Yep. So there are those points. Geneva itself is incredibly important because Switzerland doesn't have an indigenous some motor industry, really. And the thing what you don't realize is the public days there, it's full of people not just from Switzerland, but from France, which is just like meters away anyway, uh, Germany, Italy, everyone there. Mm. It is It is a proper melting pot, which, by the way, is exactly the reason it should have been cancelled sooner is because the <laughs> chance of people who don't wash their hands actually spreading disease is really quite high and the last thing is or the last two things really are that they allow manufacturers to gauge real person interest in vehicles mm. so sure if you're there on the press days you see what the you know journalists are going along oh, it's a new mercedes oh i don't like the grill the grill's a bit rubbish it looks like it's been kind of phoned in afterwards but in actual fact when you see actual people interact with the vehicles on the public days it's really very interesting so a few years ago the year that the mini countryman was launched and it was i think the last year actually mini did the geneva motor show because they they don't anymore i mean the the countryman was 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 panned quite quite roundly for being I'm going to have to edit my words here. Not necessarily the best looking vehicle ever been released, although nowadays, compared to some new BMWs, it's quite attractive. But it's, you know, the Countryman is not a pretty thing. And that had been mentioned lots of times by journalists in the run up to it. I was there on the first public Saturday. Let me tell you, these things were swarming with target market. I knew that no matter what was said about it in print, there were going to be people who bought that because they were trying their kids for size in the back. Mm. They were marveling over the slidey thing that went down the middle, all these kind of things. It was going to be a hit because they could look at, you know, people could look at the way that real people who were real targets were interacting with them. Honda Civic Type R is another one. Just 
surrounded by people with baseball caps on backwards every every year. Absolutely swarmed. That and the Nissan uh, GTRs and everything. You know, we might sit there and tut and ah and go, God, these things have been around since the dawn of time. Or gosh, you don't really want it if you actually have to steer it. But actually, the public loves them and it gives them a good chance to look at them up close and actually get themselves, you know, raise that interest in cars, in motoring, in all the other forms of mobility that get that get shared there. Okay. Um, and sorry, I will now, if I've been ranting and waffling a lot, uh, it's because of the fondue withdrawal. <laughs> and I will stop now. But I really do feel that there's so much to be said about that. That's us done with Geneva now. Well, just just round it out by uh, there is a there is another article that you found that's to do to show that it's not just Geneva that's been impacted here. Ah, that's exactly the one. Pardon me. It was meetings over a thousand people in Switzerland, over five thousand people in in France. Uh, so do be aware that if you're that if you're going to if you're considering going to large events uh certainly in france uh, and this may include motor racing uh, and other and other events other similar events uh, stuff like the paris marathon for example was uh, rescheduled at the weekend then do be aware that things might move and and that, that things may be cancelled in in france over the next little while especially car shows and stuff okay Right, well, I'm going to move us away from disease and on to electric vehicles. And the news that Deutsche, <laughs> Deutsche Post has uh, decided it's going to stop manufacturing in conjunction or in joint venture with Ford the electric delivery van that it's been making. It's got something in the region of 11,000, they're called street scooters, on the road at the moment, and there's still several thousand to be delivered this year, but then they're going to shut it down because they are just making losses after losses and they can't sustain it anymore. Last year alone, according to this Bloomberg article, they racked up about 100 million uh, euros of loss, and they think with shutting this down early and having to close uh, contracts with suppliers and everybody else that they're going to have to write down uh, anything between 300 million euros and 400 million euros. So this isn't an easy decision, but it looks like they couldn't find a way to make it work. And they've brought people in from from dinosaur legacy motoring companies to try and make this, <laughs> make manufacturing and Tesla scale. as well. Well, yes, and Tesla, but that was for the sales. So uh, yeah. <laughs> to make this work. So uh, it's a shame that they can't get it to work. And maybe it's a bit of a reality check for companies coming in to this market i think it's a warning for people like arrival and and, yeah. and those yes i agree that you know deutsche post who who of course own dhl uh, amongst other uh, amongst other career companies as well as, as german post office then then if they can't get it to make money and they're essentially buying selling them to themselves then that's a bit worrying it's a shame street goods are kind of neat i don't know if they're just because they've got bad a bad uh, a bad name uh, as in literally the bad name not a bad reputation or if other companies don't want to buy from Deutsche Post because they see it as buying from a rival I, I don't know but it's it's a shame because they're, they're kind of cool but yeah it just underlines the the dangerous starting a vehicle company it's, it's very yeah. hard to do it without masses and masses of somebody else's cash yeah absolutely talking of the future continuing to talk of the future 
Um, talk us through the Move Conference. Well, well, just a very quick bit on, on Move Conference here, because I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when it was on, so Move's Mobility Conference that was held out at the Excel in London, and it was all about movement, mobility, and all these, these cool things that we, 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 that we like. I commented at the time that if I if I did this podcasting lark full time, then it's exactly the kind of thing that I would like to go to and, and report from and all these kind of things. Of course, I wasn't there. Daniel Puddicum was there. And if you follow the linky to uh, the current edition of Company Car Today, then he's got a write-up of of what was there, how he found it and all that kind of stuff in there. So do please go have a little bit of a, a look at that. Yep, it's a good little article, that one. I think it's cool. Yes. Coventry. Yes, Coventry. And uh, the, frankly, shock news that they will not, I repeat, they will not be installing a clean air zone, bucking the trend somewhat. Hmm. They put forward a plan to the UK government because they are one of the centres of air pollution that really needs to get themselves under control and and a plan in place and they put forward a plan to the government last year which got rejected so they had to redo this and they what they were desperately trying not to do one of the aspects was to introduce a clean air zone because they feel that it would affect uh, 82,000 residents or 25% of Coventry residents mm-hmm. and that would through the fact that the, the the clean air zone itself, but also that it would make worse air quality on resident on the residential roads just outside the yeah. clean air zone, which is the sort of stuff we've said that we fear mm-hmm. will happen, particularly when you look at Bristol's complete ban of diesels and things like that, that you sort of go, you're just moving the problem out. You're not fixing the problem. You're just moving it out somewhat. So uh, Coventry had to had to get quite clever in what they're doing. This doesn't mean that they are not going to ban certain vehicles, certain high-polluting vehicles and, and HGVs from very specific areas, but there isn't mm-hmm. going to be a blanket ban. There isn't going to be you know this sort of thing. But one of the more interesting aspects of what they've done is that they are looking to implement a... A scrappage scheme. However, it's not to go and buy a new vehicle. What they'll do is you can get up to £3,000 for scrapping your vehicle and you'll get that payment in mobility credits. Now, this means that you'll be able to use them via a, uh, an app or the Swift Travel Card, which I presume is like the Oyster Card for Coventry. Yeah, it's that kind of thing. Yeah, um, and so that you can pay for public transport, for taxis, for a bike share, or car club schemes, which I presume are going to crop up now and just be part of these things. So I thought that was actually a really interesting way because I think what the so what the Coventry Council are trying to do is they are trying to show, trying to get people to, when they are thinking of a journey, not make the car the default choice. Yeah. And I think that's a and great that idea. that works quite well for Central Coventry, because you can walk around Central Coventry yeah. quite nicely. Yeah. It's actually, it's not as bad as everybody thinks it's going to be. One of the things I liked was this is in this Fleet News article, and that was the fact that they're, they're looking at an engagement initiative or travel planning for schools, businesses, and communities, in this case, along Hollyhead Road. Mm. Uh, and the corridor around there but i like the fact that it's about not just closing stuff and banning stuff and charging for stuff but actually engaging and trying to win hearts and minds and planning and sort of trying to well it looks as though they're they're prepared to listen 
to what local yeah, residents and users have to say. And they, because if they all say, actually, if you do that, this is what it means to us. They because they will know things that the planners possibly won't because they don't use mm-hmm. the road every day or that area. And and that's where I think uh, this. When we've in the past complained and said it looks like level one thinking, this is this is much more of the sort of action we'd like to see taken. That if you make a decision after you have all the facts and information, that's that's different from just it appearing as though you're in an ivory tower and going, Oh no, I know the answer. I've got the solution, it's this mm-hmm. as a sweeping statement. So they are still consulting on a number of a number of bits of bits of scheme. That sounds terrible. But a number of different sort of uh, isolated improvements which they think they can do. If you want a, the full list of those, then do head to the the Fleet News uh, link that will be in the show notes at motoringpodcast.com. It will indeedy. Next up is something that's been close to your heart for the last week or so. Yes. <laughs> because Andrew was actually... A, Andrew is finally in a position where he can... He he can take e- e- EV press cars yes. and know that there's a way to charge the darn things. <laughs> and part of this is because, according to ZapMap, supermarket EV charge point numbers have doubled over the past two years. Yeah, that wasn't hard to do. To be fair, no, it really wasn't. I mean, it was <laughs> it was doubling a relatively low number. But it but it is interesting to see how quickly it's happened. I mean, for example, in the last six months, in my locale. Uh, we now have there's there's four rapid chargers in supermarkets that are within uh, you know a mile radius of where I live. Added to that, we so we've... for years, by the way, where Andrew lives, there has been one fast, not even a rapid. No, no, no it wasn't even fast. It wasn't even fast. There was a public charger available if you groveled nicely at the council offices. I think is about. Yeah. Right. Uh, and that's been it. And then over the last four months, six months? In the last six six months, because if I put into that as well, there's been um, three polar on street charging points put in as well. Mm-hmm. We've suddenly got options in this relatively small town that, like you said, had one charging point that if the wind was in the right direction and the gate happened to be open... <laughs> At the council offices we could use. It's why we had to start start charging around Britain with uh, something like sixty percent battery, wasn't it? Yes. Because there was no way to charge it, and my room at my hotel was too far away for to run an extension cable. Yes. <laughs> in any meaningful manner to anywhere I could park. Yeah. So it's not a huge surprise that there's, there's such a such an increase, but you know it's great to see because it's putting charges where people leave their cars for a while well that's it because i the weekend i because i used the electric the electric vehicle as i would use my car i didn't want to travel to the moon and back and say oh there wasn't enough charging points or anything like that were you traveling further than a bladder full at any time no absolutely do you have a 500 mile bladder no i don't no no he doesn't no he doesn't (laughs) i'm old (laughs) he's old (laughs) so uh, at the weekend i went to one of the supermarkets i jumped over the massive puddle of water (laughs) 
was by the charging point, which was a little unfortunate, as I had to straddle across it to get things to to charge up and everything. But and everything worked as it was supposed to using a web app. But again, I acknowledge I was in an area that had good four G. So you know your your mileage may vary in these things because I didn't have a a card or anything like that. So, but I knew that would work. And then I went and did some shopping. And then I walked into the town, which is the supermarket's part of, and did some shopping there and came back. And at the end of it, I unplugged it and found, oh, I've done this much charging. Anyway, off I drive again. And that's how I used it. And it makes perfect sense in that sort of environment. Bearing in Mm -hmm. mind that the car park for that supermarket will allow you up to three hours for free. Uh, Two hours, sorry, two hours for free anyway. And then you can pay to stay a little bit longer if you need to. But the charging point mm-hmm. only allows you to stay on it for 90 minutes anyway. Not a problem at all. Awesome. All good news. And yep. there'll be a review of the car that Andrew hasn't mentioned coming up at some point soon. Yeah. Just use ZapMap, everyone. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm going to slow us down now. I'm going to slow us down if we're Are in you? London. Yes. And this is the news that came out to much fanfare. Major roads in London now, 20 mile an hour. Ah! Which... How will you notice? Is it, well... <laughs> Sorry. Let's let's break the details down a little bit. These are only roads that are controlled by Transport for London who only control 5% of the roads in London. So mm-hmm. let's just calm it down a little bit. And then let's get to, oh, which are these roads? Hang on. I don't think you could even get up to 20 mile an hour on these roads. So Sadly true, yes, the, looking at them. The whole point is that this has been brought into, into uh, effect because Transport for London are trying to reduce the number of deaths and serious injuries on the roads. This is a good thing, by the way, before anybody feels that we're not, but I'm being a bit too pithy about this. That is obviously a good thing that less people are hurt. But like I say, it's only 5% of London's roads, and these are red routes, apparently. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of lot of comment, particularly from the likes of the head of the uh, Black Cab Association, which I can't remember the exact name of at the moment, who says it's not going to make that much difference because you can't get up to that speed anyway. Yeah, I, I think absolutely. with a lot a, a lot of the time when something like this is announced, it's a case of well, change is bad. You're you are restricting my freedom type gut reaction from people who then jump up and down. Really, it's it's not going to make much difference to a person travelling, and if it helps somebody not get killed, then it's not a bad thing, I don't think. Agreed, agreed. If you it's, want to go quicker, uh, get on the tube. Yeah, or, or walk even. Yeah, probably. That can often be Cycle, quicker than the tube. actually, would be the quickest. Mm-hmm. Especially if you don't stop at red lights. <laughs> yes. Don't, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, but yes, no, that no, is a bad really thing. Really interesting. Yes, that, that's bad. Yeah, but but it's not going to make a big difference, this. No. Really not. No. So uh, so I don't think people should be getting their getting their knickers in a twist over it at all. Uh, if you you look at the map, you'll see exactly why why get reaching twenty miles an hour would be a, a, a pretty amazing in the first place. There's also a list of the air, the uh, the roads and areas that it's connected with in the show notes. Uh, if you click through on the Sky News link and then go about halfway down the article below the map and stuff and you'll see it there cool 
which brings us to competition time. It does. Woo, it's the, the last, last week. Time. This week yes. is the last week. Yes. yes it is. This thing is the last week uh, in which we're giving you a chance to win a copy of James Ruppert's latest book, Demotorized, colon, The 200-Year War on the Motor on the motorist which is a great read uh, you may not necessarily agree with the outcome uh, i know that i'm i'm not 100 percent on board that it has been a 200 year war on the motorist uh, but all the same it's a fantastic read and it, and it does start to have you thinking about stuff and, and questioning just things generally so it's, it's a good and inspiring read mm. thought provoking we do like thought provoking thought provoking those are the words i'm looking for but to win your copy, what we have paid for, then you need to answer the following question. Well, it is the copy that we paid for. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. James worked as a car salesman back in the day. As a result, with which brand is he most associated? So I shall repeat that, as I say in my finest Jimmy Young manner. Uh, James worked as a car salesman back in the day. And as a result, with which brand is he most associated? All the correct entries will go into a hat oh, uh, next week, uh, and I will be randomly selecting a name. Uh, you do need to submit your answer via the contact form on motoringpodcast.com, uh, and patrons get the ability to submit twice. Uh, thank you so much for everyone who's entered so far. Uh, let's have a few more of you uh, this week because you need your entries into us by next Monday night, which is the 10th? 9th. 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 And the draw will take place in our recording on the 10th. Yes. There we go. We should maybe have written that bit in the description. We'll do that next time <laughs> so that I don't forget again. One last time. James Woke's a car salesman back in the day. As a result, with which brand is he most associated? Good luck, everyone. He and I were chatting once, decided that Mrs. Ruppert had probably done all the paperwork for one vehicle that my parents bought from that dealership yeah. some time ago. A long, long time ago. To give you an idea how long ago, the present I got brought back from that there London was a Fisher-Price airport set from Hamleys. So you were 12? No. <laughs> Longer ago than that. <laughs> Longer ago than that. Mm. Right, take us to Marrakesh. Come on. Yeah, Formula E. Uh, so Formula E was last weekend. Uh, we sort of forgot to mention it last week's show. Uh, which I noticed is quite that, yeah. Bad, really. Oops, yeah, sorry, I, noticed a, I noticed within about 15 minutes of us finishing the recording. Antonio Felix da Costa scored his first win for DS to Cheetah on the Saturday. And yeah, they defended against uh, Max Gunter and Jean-Éric Verne. Uh, he started from pole and had a relatively smooth race all the way through. Yeah, it seems that it was a good race. I didn't see it at the time, uh, but I did sort of catch little... What was I doing last Saturday? What was I doing... Oh, that was it. I was doing family stuff. That's what it was. Yes. But lots was happening. Sounds, sounds like it was a fantastic race to watch. Uh, also in the show notes is a link to the, to the Formula E, uh, highlights reel. Uh, but all of the, all of the stuff and all the places, all the information that you need to know is on eracing365.com. Yep. 
I mean, I think it was I think it was particularly impressive of Vern, considering he was too ill to do anything on the Friday. Well, that's it exactly. I mean, he was a real comeback there from being pretty sick. Yeah, thoroughly flued up because he helped get Diestici to their first um, double podium as well. Yes, of course, because he of course came in third. Uh, Max Gunter for BMW i Andretti Motorsport was was in, in in second, but quite a significant gap. Yeah. To be honest, yeah. I mean, it was uh, eleven point. Antonio Felix da Costa was eleven point four seconds uh, ahead of Max Gunter, uh, and then of course it's much much tighter. He was only half a second ahead of Jean Eric Verne. But that was the ninth different winner in nine races of Formula E. We're getting back to that it's... ridiculous stat again, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, there's an interesting one here, by the way. Only one. There was only one non-finisher who was uh, Alistair Sims of, again, BMW i Andretti Motorsport. So they were second and, and not classified in their two cars. But it was only one non-finish. Yeah, because uh, more which importantly, quite unusual. which it says on the e-racing 365 article, uh, there was no major contact, no yellow flags or neutralizations, which is Happy brilliant days. to hear. <laughs> well, they've been working so hard to try and to try and stop those things happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's just just not. not it's allowed great. the racing to get on with it, hasn't it? Yeah, which is what it's all about. It's what it was in the early days as well. Yeah, so very good. That's rather cool. We're excited about Formula E again. Well, I am. And so am I. So am I. The trouble is that I'm always busy on Saturdays, so I never get a chance to just sit down and watch the darn thing, which is a shame because I enjoy it when I get to watch it live. Yeah, um, which is more and more possible these days. Less good news though from Bloodhound SSC right at the minute. Yes, this sort of caught me a little bit uh, unexpected. I don't know why I would expect it, though, uh, <laughs> not being part of the team. But uh, Ian Warhurst today made an announcement that uh, Bloodhound SSC has basically got a month to find external cash to allow it to carry on uh, as it need, uh, as they want it to, to try and break the record. I've seen the figure of 8 million bandied about. I don't know how how much that is just to get it ready to have a go again. Or this is to that get, is... No, this is to go right through. I think the the 8 million is to go right through uh, and, as it says in the BBC article, finish the job. Okay. But I I really hope they can find some serious external, because this isn't a case of a bit of crowdfunding will fix this. This is mm. a bit more... This, this requires a bit more than that here, and I really hope that businesses can get involved or, or incredibly wealthy individuals can get involved and see the benefits of being part of such a project, such a a remarkable attempt as this, mm-hmm. uh, let alone if it actually uh, happens, if they're, if they're able to successfully manage this. Uh, yeah, but but we, anyone who's listened to us for any length of time knows that we're massive fans of this. I mean, you're so much of a fan; you've actually put your own money where your mouth is. So mm-hmm. this this if if anyone listening knows anyone or is in a position to speak to someone or speak to the project, please do so because I think this is incredibly important work that needs to be completed. 
There's a line in this BBC article, which have, as ever, linked in the show notes. You're sick of me say, saying that at the minute. But there's a line here that says, independent analysis of the media coverage showed any sponsors involved in the South African trials could have received a 14 to 1 return on their investment. Wow. That's that's pretty impressive. Um, at the minute, it's fantastic for Rolls-Royce and for Namo. Yep. Yeah, we need, need more folk in there. Please. Yes, yes. Please do, please. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to be saying in a month's time. We're really sorry to say that Bloodhound shut. That would have me sniffing quite quite badly, actually. Yes, that'd be that'd be quite depressing. Right, take us to a lunchtime read, Alan. An opposing of a question. It, it is, uh, and it's well, I don't know. It depends how you read it, really. It, it's a case of is it time to let go of com- commuter culture or it's time to let go of commuter culture and i think it's whilst this is a jalopnik article from the start of january uh, i think with um sort of global fears of pandemics etc i think it's it it's actually even more relevant now than it was then yeah and it's a really interesting it's a really interesting piece about, you know, do we need to commute? Isn't it awful? Are there other ways to commute if you have to commute? Yeah. And are there other ways to do it rather than as is pretty much, it seems pretty much standard in the US to do it by car. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm outside, of course, of places like Manhattan. It's a really interesting piece. It's quite long. It's actually worth those minutes of your time to to just go through and and just think about it it's a little bit more u.s centric Mm -hmm. maybe than uk centric i think far i think there is of course a a far higher percentage of of us here in the uk that when we need to commute we do so by by train and by tube than 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 in the u.s and and certainly by by bus in places like switzerland but it's still relevant it's still again one of those things that's thought-provoking about you know there's a challenge at the minute with public transport and and the the potential for 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 spreading disease and maybe we should look at not having to use it in the first place on such a regular basis and, and and the benefits that that could bring to us and to to our communities that's this week's lunchtime read yep good one Good one. Right, list of the week is more um, not so much list as a visual photo montage. Yes, photo montage. That's good. Uh, Of Geneva that never was. (laughs) It's very interesting, actually, to see how far places had got before they started taking them all back down again, Mm. Uh, and and how that looks behind the scenes. Do click on the show notes for the radical mag article and then just have a look at the sort of stuff that goes on and if you've never been behind the scenes at a trade show then it's kind of interesting from that point of view as well just what an absolute mess the place looks up until minutes before they the sort of end of build <laughs> yes goes on it, it's it's quite cool i've done i've done quite a few trade shows in my time uh, and and yeah it is interesting just just the whole build up there there's really cool pictures. There's also, uh, I know it's not really a list of the week, but related to that is photographer Jeff Williams did a very quick sort of 12-minute run round of the San Auto video, which is on YouTube. So there's a link to his YouTube of that, and that's really interesting too, and that shows people already already taking taking stuff down. So so do do follow that through and have a have a watch of that as well. He's got loads of really cool videos about the background behind things. 
cool. Speaking of videos, mm. and finally this week, is Henry Catchpole for Carfection driving a singer. Yes. In California. The git. And he is but I agree with him, but he's it's what I like about this video is that when he starts off and he's saying, Well, you know, some things you hear so much about you think, can it really be that good? Yeah. It isn't really that good. Yeah, and, that and, really hit and to be honest, I had got to that stage with singer Porsches, okay? I actually like an unadulterated Porsche nine six four. I don't I don't think they need recreated or anything. So I've always been a bit cynical and a bit people, you know, there's a lot of puff here, there's a lot of stuff going on. And and Henry's tone at the start of start of this and, and in this video is 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 basically where where I, I would like to think that I would be um as well, with the sort of well, I'm not really sure if this is gonna be as good as I think it's gonna be. Uh, and it turns out it is. And it's Carfection video, so it's absolutely gorgeous. It is very gorgeous. The 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 colour the colour of the Porsche on those roads in that light is just stunning, I think. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's it's a Carfection video, so it's great. Yeah. You know? Um so do do have a watch of that. That's that's a, that's another good one to just just fill in a few minutes of slack time. You know when you're watching somebody and you admire their work deeply and you think you you are towards the top end of just talking about cars and you can do it on film and all the rest of it and you look at him and you go I admire a lot of what you do and then you go but right now in this video I hate, I hate you so you. much I hate you <laughs> so so much because I am so jealous and it, it's not yeah. personal but I just hate you <laughs> and this this was one of those videos <laughs> I'm sorry I'm sorry Henry if you listen to this I, it, nothing, it really was nothing personal I was just I was so deeply jealous of you in that car on that road <laughs> and just like yeah, oh was that was wonderful. amazing it, it's, it's not often we pick out videos where someone's discussing a car per se mm. um but when we do we I, I like to think that we pick out some proper crackers yeah yeah exactly brilliant um parish notes there was a special edition came out last friday it's me in milton Keynes. <laughs> in the peeing rain in a new <laughs> Nissan Duke. So if you want something that is the furthest possible thing from driving a singer in California, <laughs> that's what I've got for you. Yeah, do you want real reality? Come on. Do you want real proper? This is this is this is yeah. This is doing it for real. Um see yeah, Mr. And, Catchpole hey, deal with that. Hey, hey. Yeah, come on. <laughs> um and uh, yeah, if you want to know why the will there is a small corner of Japan that will forever be Milton Keynes, then uh, you can find out why that would be the case then. Uh, new special edition out on Friday. Yes. Okay. Uh, and last but not least, this weekend, the Palmdale Motors Saturday Selector comes down to me. It was meant to be nice and easy when I got my choice of week and I chose the Geneva week because then I'd have had a chance to wander around and look at all the cars and make some choices and submit my own pictures. But obviously that's not happened. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But do do keep an eye out for that if you don't follow Palmdale Motors uh, on Twitter. And they don't sponsor us. They're just nice people. They are. Uh, then do do that rest assured i will be retweeting and sharing and commenting as much as i as much as i can once i've decided what the selections are going to be 
which is your favourite BMW grille? Is it? Yes, no, no, it's not that. No, it's not. It's not going to be that. It's, it's, I have a choice of two different directions to go, and I'm not quite sure which yet. But I'll wait till all the announcements are finished tomorrow. Did you see the, that i4 concept? Someone was saying it had been described as Grillzilla. Yes, that's what I was thinking well of. That's exactly what I was yes. thinking of. Yes. As I say, Hyundai have won it. Yes. The youngest crack windscreen saw that, saw a picture of that, and went, oh, look, that's... Uh, oh. Uh, <laughs> oh. And I thought that that's one of the most telling comments I have ever heard. <laughs> this is one of the most telling things uh, And what I've age ever... is the youngest windscreen, and Andrew? Just... Eight and a half. That's all you need to know. An eight and a half year old is looking at it and going, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> there we go. Meanwhile, don't forget that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts for the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Uh, please don't forget about our Patreon or any of the other ways that you can support us, which you can find at motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please, please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew what's the best way for people to get in touch with you best way to get in touch with me is via twitter if you search for cracked windscreen you should find me there and alan if people would like to get in touch with you and maybe reminisce about or i don't know fondue or steaks with special sauces that sort of thing what's the best There's way for them to do of that going on <laughs> yes i need to find an excuse to get to geneva or, or, or zurich or paris to, to get my fill of that uh yes you can do that on twitter uh please where i'll be taking the best places to have fondue in malouz preferably before lunchtime on the day this comes out where i'm at ajp bradley b-r-a-d-l-e-y we'll be back uh very soon until then i've been alan bradley i've been andrew clues and safe motoring